The advice and opinions expressed by the hosts of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Live into Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. I think Nancy's ready to be brought back in. There yeah. she is. Hi. Yay. Yay. Nancy. I've got my audio working. Yay. We're so glad to have you back. I know you've been away on vacay and yeah. we're so thrilled to have you back. Uh, and, and we're so excited to have everybody else here too. Today is August 6th, 2021. We're live right now. Uh, we're live on a bunch of different platforms. Uh, I especially want to tell you about YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook Live, where you can interact with us right now. You can say hello and good morning and tell us where in the world you're watching from. You know, Nancy and I love to hear from you guys and know where you are. So just uh, say hey if you're watching. I also want to let you know you can be watching us live and many other places, uh, as well as on our homepage, autism-live.com. And when you're watching us recorded in any of the places that you can download our free podcast, uh, we are the number one rated autism podcast worldwide. We hope that you'll find us, share us, yeah. review us. Look, Anna's saying hello. Uh, they're saying my video is choppy. I don't know why. We've had so many internet problems lately. Uh, but I want to remind you, you can always reach out to us if you're watching us recorded and you want to ask a question, go to autism-live.com. So Nancy, did you have a good vacation? I did. I was on the East Coast. I was in my old hometown of Virgin Richmond, Virginia for a while. Saw lots of relatives, cousins, and um, had a great time there and then went to the beach and the Outer Banks of North Carolina, Nags Head, which I just love. And the weather was fantastic, humid, hot and humid, but great beach weather. And spent time with my best friend of 53 years. It was amazing. It was really great. But I came back to having bank fraud going on this morning, which I've had continually. I don't know. Somebody keeps hacking into my bank account, and I don't know how it's happening. Shame so, on them. I don't know how people live with themselves, let alone sleep. I know it's, it's horrible. And it's happened to me like five times in the last six months, believe it or not. Wow. That is horrifying. Yeah, Absolutely I don't know if horrifying. Has my social security number or what's happened, but wow. I'm going to have to get to the bottom of it. So I was on with the bank all morning. So that was no fun. So much fun. Uh, but you know, thank you for sharing that. Cause I think we've all been through that at some point or something similar. And, yes. you know, I think people appreciate knowing that we're real people and that we have, we have our own level of crap. That's uh, right. 
to come. Uh, can I just tell you briefly, but we're saying hello to Anna and Anna's watching yeah. us from Riverside. I'm so thrilled to have you here, Anna. Yesterday was such a stress day for me because as you know, Nancy, I one of my dogs that we've had for uh, 10 years now, she's a rescue dog and she we, uh, fondly, her name is Daisy, but we fondly refer to her as Cujo because she doesn't like anyone but us. Right. Um, and she's a little bit of a lunatic. Um, so taking her to the vet is a really hard thing. And in May, we try, you know, we, we didn't take her to the vet during COVID. It was a very difficult thing, uh, but taking her to the vet is a difficult thing anyway. And, and we went to take her back to our original vet and they changed ownership in COVID and they did not want to listen to us about the precautions they needed to take and were not prepared. She's, she, you know, she's a challenging animal and, um, but we love her to death. And uh, they they were furious with us and told us we were blacklisted. My dog could never come back. And oh, Nancy, wow. it reminded me of when we got kicked out of an autism program when Jem was little. And I was like, right. we've come to you for help and you're kicking us out. Awesome. Um, and, and there was just so much grief and fear and guilt and shame and so on and so forth. And it just took me right back to those days. Uh, but I we've been, so we've been, we've been working with and, and we found a, fantastic vet. I, I was completely upfront with her and said, here's what the other vet said. I don't want anybody to get hurt, but you know, my dog needs healthcare. And so there was, it was this whole thing where I had to put this numbing agent on her gums and, you know, I'm allergic to lidocaine. So we had right. to prove it to see that I wasn't going to pass out from putting it on and get her to the vet and see if the, and uh, they were amazing. But I'll tell you what, I, just about needed to be, you know, sent on vacation because it was so stressful. It was so stressful, but now we're waiting for the blood work to come back. But, um, it totally took me back, Nancy, to those days. And I, I know a lot of the people watching or have experienced themselves or with their kiddos, that thing of when somebody that you've gone to for help says to you, Oh, you're too, whatever, fill in the blank. You know, you, and not only can we not help you, like, and they should be apologetic about that, but accusatory. You don't, you don't qualify for help. You're so bad. We can't even help you. And, and some, some shame and guilt too about, well, you should have taken care of this before. And the guy who was yelling at me, he, you know, I said, we came to you for help. What's happened? And he goes, well, first of all, he told me that we should have our dog put down, but then he said, you should take, you should have taken care of this years ago. And I said, if I showed you the bill of what we've paid to have her, you know, go through behavioral training, I said, right. I'm so glad that you've decided you already know what I've done without knowing our, us or our dog, but thank you for, for your judgment. Right. Right. <laughs> but it br brought me right back to when, and uh, when we went through that, and I know so many families go through that with autism, but that was my big stress yesterday. But can I tell you when it was over and we'd gotten through it and they were great and then I got to come home knowing that we have a vet who listens to us. Wow. And, it's, uh, you know, it, that reminded me of when we found the pediatrician, because I went through some pediatricians, ooh, when Jen was little. And then finally we found the pediatrician. I went, oh, I can stop that project. I don't have to go look for a pediatrician. I never, I never found a pediatrician. Oh, man, it is worth everything when you do. That gave me such peace of mind when we had a good That's pediatrician right. who would listen. Man, oh man, I'm sorry you didn't find that, Nancy. That no, never found one. Yeah. Kind of went without all those years. That's horrible. I, know. I, I I hope all of our viewers and listeners 
are able to find a good pediatrician. They're few and far between, I'll tell you. But when you find a good one, man, hang on to them. We had we went through all these different times where, where healthcare switched and we kept having to hunt around and find the one that would take that doctor. And and we would get that healthcare. The rest of our healthcare sucked, but we had it because then we had access to that doctor for our son. Right. So uh, when you find one man, you hang on to him with both hands. In any case, uh, we, I always love to touch base with you. We've uh, we got a great guest today. We're so excited that actor George Steves is going to be with us again. He's been on the show before. He's got a brand new show that we're going to talk about that yeah. opens, opens, I believe, tomorrow, which right. is very exciting. I didn't know they were doing the Hollywood Fringe Festival this year um, with everything that's been going on, but right. apparently right. they are. Live theater is alive and well, and George is going to talk to us about what he's been doing during COVID and, and about this new show. Anna says, yes, our, our pediatrician is marvelous. She refers us to what we need when we need it. Great rapport with her. Oh, Anna. Anna. Very fortunate. Yes. Um, So we're going to be talking to George Steves in just a little while, but you know, on Friday when Nancy's here with me, we always do in the news and we talk about some of the pressing stories that are going on that we think will be of interest to you. Um, the first one is a, is a toughie because it depends on where you fall on this, but there's a lot of emotions that are happening right now. Um, our new Secretary of Education uh, came out with a thing just the other day and said that the expectation, this is Miguel Cardona, um, the new U.S. Education Secretary has said that, you know, hard and fast, uh, children, students need to be in classrooms. Right. And Which I thought was encouraging that he recognizes that. Yes, I, I thought so too. I think what where the controversy is coming is that um, he is also suggesting that everyone in school mask up. Well, that's that, where the controversy comes in. Of exactly. Course. A so lot this of is people that have, of course, mixed feelings about that. Um, yes. Some schools are going to have a hard time with that, I think. Um, And I'm preparing for Wyatt to go back to school. He's in vocational school, post-secondary school, and he's been wearing a mask most of the summer. Well, good for you. I know it's a tough thing because uh, some kids have a really hard time wearing masks. We have seen in the last year that a lot of our kids, it's so interesting to me, the parents that have written into the show and said, look, this is not going to happen. People don't realize my kid is such that they're not going to wear the mask. He or she is not going to be able to do it. There's no way, no how. And then some of our experts have said, well, if you're willing to work on it, this is the way we recommend that you work on it. And every single one of the parents that wrote in and said, this will not happen, no way, no how, has written back and said, it's amazing, they're wearing the mask. They're better at it than I am. Um, but I know that there are other people out there that there's the potential that they don't have an expert that they're talking to, or that, you know, we can't say one size fits all. I have to believe that there are some kiddos out there that wearing the mask, you know, I'm not saying that anybody gives up, but, you know, knowing that some people went back to school the other day, their kids back in school as of yesterday. Um, and so these interventions take a while. I will say that what the director, uh, what the the education secretary has said is that they're doing it across the board and saying all staff as a precautionary measure because, you know, everybody can have the fight about the vaccine for anybody who's 12 and under. There is no fight. 12 and under, there is no vaccine. There's no choice. There's no option. And 
that we need to protect our kids from, you know, getting COVID. So, and we need to protect the teachers who want to be in the classroom with kids that don't have an option for vaccine. Um, So the point is that they've been saying to them, uh, everybody has to be masked, but what we're seeing here in Los Angeles is that they walked it back a little bit and said that on a case by case basis, that they will look at it and see if, um, if somebody is having a hard time, if they can relent on that mandate. Um, but you know, what did, did Wyatt find it difficult in the beginning to wear the mask, Nancy? Um, he did. And we got him used to it with his ABA therapist, but he's finding it hard to wear it now a bit. Uh, was not happy about having to wear it at certain camps he was going to, was really not happy about it. He does not like wearing the mask. It's, I'll tell you, like, it was really hard for me in the beginning, but then I sort of settled into it, got used to it. Uh, What we've noticed is that some masks are better than others. Um, But there's one mask, I can wear it for eight hours and I'm just fine. There's another mask, I can't do 10 minutes. And as it gets hotter, then, you know, having the right mask for me is, is the whole shebanger because there's some that are like pillows and where you're breathing in a pillow and I can't get enough air. There are others where there's really good airflow. I tend to like the ones that have that copper infused stuff. And excuse me, I have my favorite one. You guys is a soup Nazi mask. You know, I think you guys know that um, my, our our friend of our family is um, Larry Thomas, who was the soup Nazi on Seinfeld and there are masks that say no mask no soup on them and they are the be- that's my favorite one that's the one I can wear for eight hours there is something about um the breathability of it right. that is just better I could and even in the heat I can put up with that I can tolerate that one um so you know but there are others that man I just need to throw them away because I can't can't hang can't do it right um so I can't even imagine what it's like for our kiddos on the spectrum who, you know, don't have the language to say this mask is not the one. I prefer the other one. Does Wyatt have masks that he prefers? Or are they all the he same? Does. He has, um, he has masks that he likes to wear over others. And, and I don't know about you guys, but um, we went to the store um, and, and I said to, to my son, I said, you know, which ones do you want? Like, what do you want your look to be? This is just another opportunity. I was very surprised by what he picked. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, he picked ones that looked like ties, like that have okay. just a very small print. They look like they would match a tie. Um, they're okay. very subtle. I thought he'd pick like, you know, big, you know, Marvel and he was like, oh, no, his are very reserved and looks like he's going to a business meeting wearing right. a tie. He has an anime mask that he likes to wear. Very nice. Very, very nice. Okay. So write in and tell us where you guys are about school and masks. Um, are you thrilled that you're going back to school and so you're taking the mask thing in stride? Or is does it feel like it's insurmountable to you? We want to know what you have to say. Uh Anna says, my son won't wear his glasses, um, but uh, it took us a year and he will wear his masks now. He's four years old. Uh, he will keep on for 30 minutes, but that's a huge win for us. That's, that is a huge win, Anna. That's amazing. Well, and I, I got it amazing. I find it amazing all these younger children that have adapted to wearing masks. I think it must be very hard for a child under five to get well, used to wearing them. I think we're going to see over the next five years that it, it has a toll too. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, I find like, I, I know I need to go see the hearing doctor. Now I have been in denial about my hearing, but with everybody masked, I I'm like, Oh, I've been reading lips a lot. Um, and that my hearing is not as good as I think. And I have to wonder. I think, mine is you, Shannon. I think I'm starting to lose a bit of my hearing. It's scary. Right. But yeah. think about our kids that, you know, we're, we're hoping, especially for our kids on the spectrum to give them ways to take in all of the different information, including somebody's face. I've heard from a couple of our self-advocates who are like, no, it's actually easier when you take the mouth out of it. I can focus more on what's being said, but I don't think that's the case for all of our little ones. I think it's no. going to be, I think some of language comes from seeing people speak and move their, their lips. So we'll see. Uh, she says, my daughter freaks out uh, her, when her mask falls off. She's not on the spectrum. Yes. I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you that I, when we go to not wearing masks, I'm, I'm preferring it now that I've settled into it. Mm-hmm. I just, I just love it. I, I, you know, I'm not getting colds. I, I make faces all the time when people do things. And I, I love that people aren't seeing me make my faces. And uh, I, I love, we were out in the sun the other day and I can't be in the sun at all. And so I had a hat on and I had my mask on and I was like, oh, I am not going to get a sunburn on my face and look like a lobster. Um, you know, I have to still keep applying sunscreen in the other spots, but uh, it was great. I kind of loved it. Um, but I know for other people, it's like they cannot wait for it to be over. So I know and everybody it looks, like it's, looks like it's not over yet. Unfortunately. Oh, no. We're, I, from what they're saying, we're a long way from being over. And for yeah. our kiddos, it's going to be an interesting thing in school. Now, speaking of our kiddos, our second news story, Nancy, is one that was very near and dear to my heart because, you know, I love me some puppets. Yeah. Yale is reporting that new studies show that um, children on the spectrum respond better to puppets than to people. That's right. Uh, <laughs> no surprise, I think. It isn't. Um, I, I want to know more and want to understand why that is, but you know, and I don't understand the whole study, but I will say this, that we see, and we know that our kiddos, there's something about what happens between here and here that is kids that are quote unquote, uh, neurotypical and the kids that are neurodivergent this is not as reinforcing to them from here to here. And what happens and the information that comes in this package is not as interesting to them. And sometimes. Are you there, Shannon? I lost you. I don't know whether I'm still on you froze. Hello. Um, am I back? I'm gone. I'm back. You're back. You're back. Thank you. All right. Sorry. I don't know what's up with my internet today. Um, but uh, I love that Nisa says this makes so much sense because pup- puppets have no facial expressions. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I'm back. But, you know, I love puppets. Puppets are very animated and larger than life. And they tend to be, you know, really in your face. So I think that they command attention much more than a human being. Yeah. But I also think that when, um, you know, 
all the things that happen, if you were, you know, think about when they do those things where they put the little electrodes on a face and on a body to animate them. Right. And every little dot that they put on is an electrode because there's movement there and there's information that's coming in there. Whereas for a puppet, you know, you can animate a puppet in a certain way, but you don't have a thousand things going on. You have five right. things going on. And so if you only have to take in five pieces of information and assimilate them as opposed to a thousand, maybe it's easier, maybe. Uh, which is, which is going to go hand in hand with this next article that we're going to talk about. But I, I loved this. I, I, I love that Yale is doing studies on this. I love and what it's it tells- in partnership with Cheryl Henson, who is the daughter of celebrated puppeteer Jim Henson. And yeah. it looks like she funded the study along with Yale. Uh, said it was made possible. The study was supported in part by Cheryl Henson and the National Institute of Mental Health. So kudos to Cheryl Henson. Absolutely, Nancy. And I love this because I think this is going to inform some of the therapy that happens in the future and that people will feel more comfortable bringing puppets into a situation. We've used puppets in lots of different arenas over the years for kids who've gone through trauma. Puppets, uh, you know, they find it easier to talk about and work through their trauma with puppets um, than they do with a therapist. Um, So I'm excited about this. You know, puppets are a particular interest of mine. <clears throat> and excuse me. And uh, as Nisa said, you know, introducing um, Julia on Sesame Street, uh, you know, has been a has been a big boon for the entire autism community. Um, back in the day when I was in college, I got offered an intern because I worked with puppets, and I got offered an internship with Jim Henson when he was still alive. That's how old oh, I am. Wow. I didn't take it. I didn't Why take not? it Why didn't because you take I considered myself a serious Shakespearean actress. And you see how well that turned out. <laughs> um, but I, I, that's like, I, you know, I try to live with no regrets, but if there's one thing I probably regret, I wished I'd gone and done that internship, but I, I, have, I have some puppets. I don't have any out at the moment, but usually there are puppets right next to me. That's how much I love me some puppets. Right. Um, and I used to make, um, design and build puppets. Um, I love puppets. Uh, and I have for a long time, I've wanted to do a children's show way before Julia. I wanted to do a children's show for autism, utilizing puppets. It's a very controversial thing because, you know, there was that play in London where they had all the characters played by people and they had the autistic child played by a puppet and everybody went, what? Uh, you know, I think it's unfortunate. I think if they, if all the characters have been played by puppets and not isolating out that one character, but I know there are some people on the spectrum, self-advocates who, you know, they're, they're, they're like, be careful with that. Be careful with the puppets. So in any case, uh, Nisa loved puppets too. I love that. Um, so Nancy, did you get a chance to look at this third article that I sent you? I did, Shannon, and I have to admit, this article, which is from Autism Parenting, um, was a little dense for me to get through. Um, it's called The Pathophysiology of Autism Unpacked, and it's written by a BA, BFC, um, and it goes into the physiology of autism, which is interesting. I would recommend that everybody look this up and read it. Um, I can't say that I will be the best at uh, unpacking the article. (laughs) 
Yeah, I would say too, um, uh, same thing, you know, it's pretty dense and, but I think if you read it and go through it, you'll see there are several different parts of it and you'll see a part that responds, that corresponds to what you're thinking or going through that will interest you. And then, then you can take a look. I think you're going to have to sit there a little bit with a dictionary and go through to understand what's being said. Um, And maybe this is an article that we can have our research people finish unpacking for us Uh uh Um, because I I love this article. You know, how, how much would we have killed for this article when our kids were four? Right. I mean, I don't know about you, but I would have been like, thank you. Cause I was always saying, what is it? What is the difference? What's happening? And back then people used to say to me, well, we think it's that the brain suddenly grows and that your, your child has long distance service before they're supposed to, but they don't have local service. And I was like, what? I don't really understand. I, I really loved the explanation they get, they gave of synaptic pruning in this article. That's under it. What the article does is it breaks down into categories uh, the physiological uh, point of view. And the first one is dysfunction of neural functions. And that's where it has the analogy of pruning, as you said, Jan. Yeah. And I, and I, that I sort of got in a different way than I've gotten before. But there are many other things. If you have a child who has Rett syndrome, there's a section of this that you absolutely have to read. Um, and you know, I also love that they broke down the theory of mind and the broken mirror theory, which I'm still trying to get my head wrapped around. Um, so, uh, cause the theory of mind, I understand. I'm not sure that I understand the, the broken mirror theory, but, um, I just thought it was fascinating. You guys can find it in autism parent magazine. You can go to autismparentmagazine.com. They, um, they have a thing where you can sign up to get a free magazine to try it and see if you like it. It's not a book. It's actually an article. And the, and the article, again, is appearing in this month's Autism Parenting Magazine. And the author is Andreas uh, Diolinda. Diolinda. Uh-huh. And um, so you can uh, check that out. I think it's a, a, a very fascinating read. So that's our news for today. Are are you guys still able to see me? Because my feed is stuck on my picture. Okay. Well, uh, I don't know what is happening with my internet and I apologize to the world, but we've got a great guest that's here for us today and he's been on the show before. Um, I'm because we just have two minutes. I'm going to go ahead and take Nisa's question question off topic. Um, what do you suggest for working adults on the spectrum under the disabled label to do for the right to work for more than the allotted 18 hours? You know, it's interesting that you should ask that because we have a guest that's coming up um, sometime in the next two weeks, I hope, that is someone who is an expert in knowing your rights. My assumption, Nancy, with this question is that the reason why they can't work more than 18 hours is that they would lose some sort of benefits. Can you write back and tell us if that is the thing that you're worried about? Because there is a new thing. There is a new policy that's called paid, uh, a paid Medicaid waiver, where if you are working and don't want to lose your benefits because you are disabled, Um, if you have a disabled uh, designation, you can pay for, and I know, hold hold on, don't go away, because I know you're like, I don't want to pay for something. Um, You can pay to buy in 
to Medicaid. It's the Medicaid buy-in program. And here's the crazy part. If you are working and this is the reason why you're doing it, sometimes it's as inexpensive as $2 a month. It's like crazy inexpensive to be able to buy because they don't want to penalize you for working. If you aren't working and you want to buy into it, then it's substantially more, which sounds counterintuitive because why would you charge someone who's unemployed more than you would charge somebody who's working? And it's the, the program is specifically for people who are working and don't want to lose their benefits um, so that they don't have to prevent themselves from having a career. And so they wanted to make sure that it rewarded that and didn't get you know, kerfuffled and used for something else. So you would check with your state. Different states are bringing it online in different method, different times. I know that Colorado, it's already up and running. I know that Texas, it's in motion, but I don't know that it's already there. But is that the issue? And they, I think they said yes. Um, so, and you want the author of this uh, article. I'm going to put it in the chat. So it, um, Nancy, is that... Uh, is there anything that you wanted to add to that? No, I don't think so. Okay. I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't, I, sometimes on this format, I have the tendency to over talk and I, I, I talk over people and I hate that when somebody does that to me. So I don't want to do that to you. All right. So we are welcoming George Steves and I don't know if he's already here with us. I can't, there he is. Uh, there he is. George Steves. Good to see you. Good we're, to see you. Yeah, we're so glad to see you. And for people who don't know you, George, take a second and introduce yourself and talk a little bit about who you are and what you do. Well, hi, everybody. I'm George Steves. I'm an actor on the autism spectrum, and I have a brand new show that I'm here to talk about today called Experiencing Love on the Spectrum. We're having our world premiere this Saturday night at 5 p.m. Fantastic. Well, kudos to you for getting this underway in the age of um, the pandemic. I can imagine that uh, it wasn't an easy task. Uh, tell us a little bit about what the show is about, first of all, George. Well, it's my second one-man show. My previous one-man show was Magic 8-Ball, My Life with Asperger's. And I did it for two years. I had a really good run with it. I took it all around the world, all around the country. But now I have a lot more that I want to say. And these, uh, these stories are from my own personal experiences. I'm going to talk about what dating and sex are like from a queer, autistic perspective. It's basically a romantic comedy about falling in love with yourself. Oh, how nice. I love that. So tell us where they can see it, though, George. Well, I'm going to be at the Hollywood Fringe Festival, specifically at the Broadwater Theater, which is on the corner of Santa Monica and Vine. And uh, the specific address, I believe, is 1176 Lillian Way. And uh, we have five shows that we're doing all throughout the month of August. We have our first one this Saturday at 5 p.m., Saturday, August 14th at 8 p.m. Then we have Thursday the 19th at 7 p.m., uh, live streaming and in person. So if anybody is from out of state that wants to check it out, they can get tickets for the live stream at hollywoodfringe.org. And then we have two more on Saturday the 21st at 11 a.m., and uh, one more, the final one, on Saturday, August 28th at 1 p.m. 
I love that you're going to live stream it, George. What an amazing thing. That's so fantastic. So Craven has put in the comments um, the link to the Hollywood Fringe where you can go to get tickets. Um, and please uh, support George in his endeavor. They're wanting, they're asking, where are you from, George? Oh, well, I grew up in Pennsylvania. I've been here for 13 years this month in Southern California. So I moved here when I was 19. Wow. But, but uh, I grew up in Pennsylvania, right outside of Philadelphia in a suburb called Fort Washington. How did you evolve into being an actor and a playwright, essentially? How did that come about, George? Well, um, I love that you guys talked about puppets earlier because I was a child of the 90s who was raised on Sesame Street. Um, actually, what's kind of funny is cookie is cookie was my first word. Um, and my mother thinks it was because of the cookie monster. <laughs> so uh, I... I um, if it wasn't for movies and television, I wouldn't have started talking in the first place. So movies and television was like my way of connecting with the world. I mean, I've, I've talked about this in previous interviews, but there was a period where I was three years old. And because my parents kept showing me Disney movies, all I could say was Cinderella, Snow White, Sleeping Beauty. And that's all I could say. That should have given my parents an early indicator about my sexuality. But anyways... Um, <laughs> Um, but, um, uh, that's very sweet of you. I am not 21. I am 32, but that's sweet of you to say. You do look very young, George. You do look very young. Yes. I, I have been blessed with good genes. What can I say? Um, but, um, how I became a playwright was, um, a quote from Shirley Chisholm comes to mind. If they don't offer you a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. Because uh, when Hollywood wasn't giving me a job, I made myself a job four years ago. I wrote a play. I put it up at the Hollywood Fringe. I did it purely grassroots. I did not have a company backing me or giving me the money to do this. This was all hard-earned money that I, I raised myself to do the show. And Magic 8-Ball just opened up so many doors for me. I got my new management out of it. I got a new agent out of it. And... I've since have gone on to do NCIS Los Angeles as a guest star. And I have a feature film coming out this uh, September called Saving Paradise. So doing Magic 8 Ball really opened up the doors for me. In so what many is, George, what is Magic 8 Ball? Well, Magic 8 Ball, My Life with Asperger's, is a one-man show that was very autobiographical. It talked about my upbringing. In one hour, you laugh, you cry, you learn a lot about Asperger's. And um, that video is actually still available for people to watch. It's on my IMDb page. So you just go on IMDb, type in George Steves, S-T-E-E-V-E-S. I have two videos right there, and that show is one of them, and you can watch it for free. Isn't that amazing? And so now, now you've got this second show, Experiencing Love on the Spectrum. And I, I, I'm just wondering, you know, you, you, you did the one show, you took it to New York, you took it to the Edinburgh Festival, you did all of these things with it. What was the moment? What was the impetus that, you know, what was the thing poking you in the back saying, okay, George, it's time to talk about this? Well, um, in the fall of 2019, I had just... Um, I had been doing the show for two years and I was starting to get a little bored with it. 
Um, you know, it, the material that I wrote just wasn't exciting me as much to perform it. Even one of my directors, Penny Wilson, had said to me, you don't perform the show with the same intensity that you used to. Maybe you should consider writing a new show. Mm. And she didn't know this at the time, but I had already actually, I had already actually started workshopping a new show. Um, my original title was going to be Confessions of a Queer Aspie. And I started developing it in the fall of 2019. I started thinking of new ideas and new concepts and, okay, how would this show be different from the last one? And I'm very grateful to people like Ryan O'Connell, who has a show on Netflix called Special, which is about a gay man with cerebral palsy. Mm -hmm. And I feel like he really did open up the floodgates where it's like, okay, there is room for queer and disabled stories. These are stories that people want to see, people want to hear. And so seeing that really inspired me, obviously. And um, the last show was about coming out. This is going to be about being out. And um, just, you know, my, my director is a heterosexual woman. And so I did develop this show with her. And, um, you know, um, there, there, there is probably going to be some stuff that makes people uncomfortable. I know my mother is probably going to cringe at some of the stories I say in this. Pretty but, honest. Would you call it a very honest look? Yes, because, um, you know, a lot of people have this, you know, and I was asexual myself for a very long time, so I totally get it. But a lot of people think that, oh, people on, on the autism spectrum must not want to have sex or experience sex. And yes, that is true in some cases. I was asexual until I was 27 years old. However, what this play really talks about is that at the end of the day, we want the things that other people want too. Yeah, interesting, George. How how do you think uh, the environment in the entertainment industry has changed with more and more actors, writers, producers uh, being on the spectrum and more atypical people being cast and given opportunities? Do you see that uh, happening in your world? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I feel like, I mean, I've, I've been here since 2008, pounding the pavement and paying my dues like every other actor in this town. But I had an acting teacher who tried to get me to not talk about my Asperger's. She tried to get me to hide that part of myself. However, one of my former classmates said, isn't it interesting that the one thing she told you not to talk about is now the thing that's getting you work it's the thing that's getting you noticed and well can we can i just say that you know i i think that it is one of the things that you bring to the table but i just want to make sure that i say george you're really talented you're a talented actor and i think that that is the reason why you're getting cast I love that they are recognizing, just like any other actor, when an actor comes in and they have beautiful, long, blonde hair, they recognize, oh, we can utilize this or we can put a wig on it. Um, and that you are an actor, first and foremost, the fact that you are an actor who identifies yourself as being on the spectrum is, is something that is special and unique to you. But I just want to be clear that from where I stand, I'm seeing you get a lot of work because you're talented and you're doing the work. Oh, thank you. 
and I, I'm grateful that there's been so much more awareness around this. I mean, my, my feeling is as an actor, it's our job, this upcoming generation of actors to leave the industry better than the way we found it. And now these days, it's not just movie studios, you know, guessing anymore on what people want to see. Now, thanks to streaming, there's data there that proves that, yes, people want more stories of people of color or people on the spectrum or disabled people. And, and it makes it even better when you give an actor like myself or any other actor on the autism spectrum the opportunity and the chance instead of just hiring a neurotypical actor. And obviously, we still have a long way to go. I mean, I was, like many actors on the spectrum, I was disappointed when Sia made the decision to cast a, you know, non-autistic actress to play that role. I get that she wanted a dancer, but I felt like, okay, you could have had her be a dance double, or you could have, you know, or just don't write the character autistic if you really wanted to use that girl. But, um... So yes, we obviously still have a ways to go, but I feel like, yes, it has gotten so much better. I'm blessed at the opportunities I have received as an actor. I'm hoping for more after this one-man show and after my movie comes out on September 3rd. Well, let's talk a little bit about the movie. Yeah. Where are we going to be able to see it on September 3rd? Well, um, when I was doing the film, it was called Pencil Pound, but it's been retitled Saving Paradise, and it's going to be in theaters nationwide and on demand on Friday, September 3rd. Okay. It's a wonderful story that I'm honored to be a part of. It's, um, I would call it a modern-day Frank Capra movie. It's, um, it's about a small town, coincidentally, in rural Pennsylvania, I found it very serendipitous that my first movie ends up taking place, you know, in the state I grew up in, even though we've shot here. But um, it's about a pencil factory that's in danger of shutting down. The owner dies and his son comes into town and we are in jeopardy of losing the factory to a corporate entity who wants to buy it out and restaff it and, you know basically get rid of all the workers who are currently there who are older and don't have the opportunities that younger people do and uh, to get more work. And so it's, it's a wonderful film about community and coming together to save something that's bigger than you and I. And I feel like, especially in these times we're in right now, our political climate, our racial tensions, just everything that's going on in this country we need this movie to remind people of the best of our humanity. And do you One. play the son? Well, um, I don't play the son. That's okay. uh, the lead actor. That's the lead, I wish. Okay. <laughs> that's, the lead, that's the lead actor, William Mosley, who was absolutely wonderful to work with. You might remember him as Peter from the Chronicles of Narnia movies. He was absolutely a gem to work with and was so sweet and so kind. Uh, he came over to me in between one of the takes and said, you look beautiful on camera. You're going to work for the rest of your life. <laughs> Doing my best British accent there. He's British. <laughs> but um, he was very sweet. And um, But I play a character named Walter Wilson who um, works in the mailroom of the pencil factory. And he ends up befriending the main character, who's Michael, who's played by William. And is your character on the spectrum in the film? or is it He is. It's okay. not specifically mentioned in the dialogue, unlike NCIS Los Angeles, where my character flat out says that I'm in a group home for autism. This uh -huh. 
this time around, there's no line of dialogue that, that says I'm on the spectrum, but because it is based on a real story, um, the real life Walter Wilson, who I'm playing, was was a man on the spectrum. So it was really important for the screenwriter and the director to find an actor on the autism spectrum to play it. So you're playing a real person. Did you get an opportunity to talk with him or his family or? Unfortunately, uh, they did try to get him out here during production, but he doesn't like to fly. But um, I I really do hope that I get an opportunity to meet him someday because um, I had a lot of respect for the character that I was playing. He's everything that I wish I could be all the Mm. time. He is just a ray of sunshine who's optimistic and hopeful and and I just I wanted to play it with as much dignity and grace as possible because I really respected this character. So George you must have received a lot of feedback from uh, others that have been inspired by your roles. What what kind of um, feedback have you gotten from the community out there? Well um I um I haven't seen Saving Paradise yet, but one of my co-stars, uh, Mimi Kennedy, who you guys might remember as Marjorie from Mom with Alice and Danny. I don't know if you guys are familiar with yes. her. Um, yeah. Yeah, she plays Marjorie on the show, but she was also in this movie. She plays Michael's mother. And um, I didn't have any scenes with her, but of course it was an honor to meet her. And I geeked out over Mom, of course, because I'm a big fan of that show. And um, But um, she had sent me a private message a couple of weeks ago um, very sweet, just saying, George, I had an opportunity to watch the movie, and I have to say, your performance is illuminating. Mm. You really do capture the, the, the heart of the film with your performance, community, um, one, all for one, one for all, etc. So that was very kind of her to, to reach out to me personally to, to say that. And yes, uh, this is a great movie to take children to go see. If there's no cursing, it's not political, there's no religious undertones in it. It's just it's just a wonderful modern day Frank Capra story about a small town that comes together to try to save something that's bigger than all of us. I love it. So George, I want to pivot for just a second and ask you, you know, we've all gone through this period of time, um, you know, where it was different for everybody. Some are calling it the great isolation. Um, as an artist, was this a time that was difficult for you or was this a great opportunity to write? How was this for you? I would actually say it was a little bit of both. I mean, I, I obviously had a wonderful momentous streak in the fall of 2019. I went straight from doing Saving Paradise straight to NCIS Los Angeles. I was like on a roll. So I felt like, okay, great. The moment's going. We're going to be cooking here in 20. But then, of course... 2020 happened and everything came to a screeching halt in in Hollywood. Of course, every production shut down. Nothing was casting. Nothing was, you know, in production. Um, and then when it started to open back up slowly but surely, I was very fortunate. I was able to get auditions here and there for different film and television projects. Didn't book any of them, but I had to keep putting things into perspective like, okay, George, Not every actor can say they've gotten auditions during this pandemic. So consider yourself very lucky and blessed that you're still having these opportunities. Yes, you might not book it, but your stance is that other actors can't say they're getting during these very difficult times. Yeah. 
And um, yeah, take this opportunity. I was going to premiere Experiencing Love on the Spectrum in the 2020 Hollywood Fringe. I even had a theater and dance set and everything for 2020, but obviously it got postponed to October of 2020. And then obviously by October 2020, it was canceled because obviously cases were not getting any better. And um, so I'm actually kind of glad in hindsight because obviously 2020 gave a lot of us the time to really self-reflect on what's important and what's not in life. And with all that self-reflection, I was able to really go back and rewrite this show and really come from my heart on it. That's amazing. Uh, they're asking for your autograph. I want to know where can people go if they want to be able to follow you and know more about what you're what you're doing and what you will be doing. Oh, absolutely. Um, if you want an autograph, uh, feel free to uh, send me a direct message on my Twitter or my Instagram. I'm at George F. Steves, uh, G-E-O-R-G-E-F-S-T-E-E-V-E-S. You can also find me on Facebook that I just use my regular George Steves. And... Um, yeah, that's where you can find me and just message me uh, your your address, and I will gladly mail you an autograph. And I just got new headshots, so I, I can I can use those. Fantastic! And um, I'm sorry, Shannon. Just I was just going to say, Traven just put up uh, the, your Twitter uh, so that they can find you on Twitter. Well, obviously, yeah. you want this show to be a success, and we're rooting for you on that as is our audience, but what else is, do you see in your future? You've already accomplished so much at such a young age. What are your goals, George? Well, I mean, obviously as an actor, the only thing I really want in life is just to be a working actor. I don't have to be a star. I don't have to make millions of dollars, but just as long as I'm working enough to the point where I don't have to have a regular job like Uber and Lyft to keep a roof over my head. If I could just get to that point where I'm a consistent, steady working actor, that's good enough for me. I mean, obviously, if anything else, like accolades are in my future or that kind of stardom or that kind of fame or fortune, great, wonderful. But that that to me is just the gravy. The, the work really is in being an artist. And there's nothing that makes me happier than when I'm on a set working. Because I get to live my passion and I get to be a part of the medium that helped me speak when I was a child. That's full circle. We want, we want to remind everybody that your new show, your new one man show, Experiencing Love on the Spectrum, has its world premiere tomorrow night at the Hollywood Fringe, which I was saying before, I didn't even know the Hollywood Fringe was going ahead this year. But I love, 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 love that you are doing, you're doing in person. So if people want to come out, they can come out. It is in Los Angeles. So if they're in the theater, they will have to be masked um, because yeah. that's just the rule. But if you want to watch it um, live streamed, I didn't even know that that was a possibility. Now I see on the poster, is that just the one performance on the 19th? Yes, that will be the one and done live stream for people who are either out of state or people who are not comfortable uh, coming to theater just yet. I, I know how tricky it's going to be doing theater during the times of a pandemic. 
Yeah. But um, we're all, we're going to be taking all the precautions possible to ensure everybody's safety. In addition to a mask, you do have to show either proof of vaccination or um, a negative COVID test from 72 hours prior. We really wow. want everybody to be safe as possible. And also, um, we are actually doing a uh, little charity tie-in with Bob DeMarco on, on the first show that I'm really excited about. If you wanted to elaborate a little more on it, Shannon, this is a little fundraising uh, that we're doing to help a family. And oh, I'm Tell us about that. Tell yeah. us about that. Well, uh, Bob DeMarco and, and Sharon Aragon reached out to me. And um, unfortunately, there is a family where the mother is struggling with COVID. She's on a respirator and she is an autism mom. So we're just trying to raise a little money to help her and to help the family out. We'll be having a, a bucket for donations right by the door where tickets will be sold. Anything you can give, I'm, I'm going to have Bob DeMarco briefly after the show and make a little announcement. So um, I'm very excited to do a charity tie-in for my first performance as well to help out this family with a wonderful, wonderful autism mama there. This is, and I, I don't think we're saying the name out of an abundance of her, you know, keeping her um, thing, you know, but Nancy, this is a mom that you and I know well. Okay. okay. Um, and, and an amazing family. And um, so what a great cause. Great. Um, great and I did back, George. Yes, uh, that's amazing. Of course, you know, uh, doing that with some pretty amazing people. So that's incredible. Thank you for being a part of that, George. That's really, really amazing. I thank you for that. So again, you know, if you're in the Hollywood area, if you are up for, for going to live theater, and there are so many people who have been missing this so much, there's nothing quite like the Hollywood Fringe, man. Uh, yes, you, you see it all there. I was, I was just saying the other day that, uh, I, I'm a, I'm a ginormous Ted Lasso fan. Are you guys watching Ted Lasso? I, I love Ted, Ted, I Lasso. Love I Ted Lasso. I think Jason I love Ted Lasso. is yeah. brilliant. But I got to say that Brendan Hunt, uh, who's one of the writers on it is a child of the Hollywood fringe that just a couple of years ago, because he's a member of the Sacred Fools, and just at the very same theater that you're going to be performing at, I saw him performing absolutely filthy. And I remember saying to everyone, oh, my gosh, this guy is the most talented thing on legs. I can't believe I just saw him perform for like $10. People are going to get in line later on. And there he is on Ted Lasso, nominated for an Emmy because he's that good. Uh, hilarious, up and coming, you know, and you can see that kinds of talent, uh, obviously George and other people like him at the Hollywood fringe. It's a great place to go, but I love, love, love that. If you can't get there, people are saying this is great that they can watch it from Texas. So that performance is on the 19th. We did put in all of the live feature, um, stuff, and I'm sure that Traven will put it in the recorded, uh, where you go to go to the Hollywood Fringe to get the tickets to be able to do the live stream. I think you're going to blow up internet with that, George. I, I hope so. I mean, at this point, uh, um, after a really rough, appreciating year that we all went through as a country, as a world, as a society, I just really want to make people laugh again. And um, yes, this show is a lot more provocative. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend this to children. Uh, this okay. is this is mom, this is mommy and daddy night or daddy and daddy night and um, okay. 
and or um, mommy and mommy uh, night. Mommy, mommy. Oh, mommy and mommy <laughs> night. I mean, yes. You know, okay. I, yeah. So, um, but like I said, I did have cursing in my previous show, and I did have children in the audience whose autism moms brought them, and not a single parent can be. So, I mean, everybody's different. So, uh, and that was that was some that was some serious cursing in the last show. Limited though, okay. not you know. So and yeah, Noah, I do have a couple of I do have a couple of like COVID and political jokes, but everything else is strictly you know dating and just discovering what that's like at a much later age. Because usually people go through this when they're in high school or when they're in college. I didn't go through it until I was 28. So mm -hmm. I talk about well, what it's like we, from the former's point of view. Well, we just adore you, George. We're excited for you. I'm, I'm just in awe of how brave you are, uh, you know, like working on all of this and, and, and putting together a show in COVID. I mean, it's just extraordinary. It really uh, just shows your passion. Um, and I, I honestly think that's why you're, you're killing it and, and getting cast so often. We're going to look forward to what is the name of the movie that comes out on September 3rd? Saving Paradise. Saving Paradise. Paradise. Has your NCIS episode aired already? Uh, yes, that one aired in um, November of 2019. Uh, 2019. I, uh, I still residuals from it, so I'm always happy whenever a residual that comes in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> it's Christmas in July uh, yeah. and Hanukkah in May. Uh, <laughs> it's all good. If it's, if it's uh, a certain amount, I'm like, score, that covers my rent. <laughs> there you go. I love, love, love that. Uh, and you are somebody who has been hard at work. As you said, you've been paying your dues uh, and you've, you've pieced together an income to be able to do the things that you do. This is not easy. This is no, not easy for anyone. Um, but you're, you're doing remarkably and our, our, our viewers have just been loving. You're so inspirational. Um, and they think it's incredible what you've been doing. So Traven's got all of the links in the comments for you guys so that you can find the YouTube page for Saving Paradise to watch, I guess, the trailer and to get tickets for Experiencing Love on the Spectrum. Please follow George on Facebook, on Instagram, so on and so forth. Um, cause you know, he, he needs to have that too, to help propel him to do the things that he's out there doing, which reflect well on our entire community. George, we really appreciate you being with us. Unfortunately, we're out of time, but Thank Hey, break a leg tomorrow night. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Thank best you so of much. luck with the show. Thank you. And thank right. you for being here with us today. Uh, thank you so much for having me. This is my fourth appearance. I I always love doing these. All right. Well, eventually, eventually we'll see you back in the studio. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. All right. You take care. Bye, George. Bye. Isn't he just a remarkable young man? What creativity and yeah. what a self-starter. He is really an inspiration. And just, you know, so good at being himself and being yes. real and showing people, you know, what that looks like. I, mm -hmm. I just think it's remarkable. Um, you know, everybody needs to have role models to look up to. And, and we know, we knew this before, but the studies are showing very clearly that more and more individuals on the spectrum are, you know, they're, they're statistically more likely to be part of the LGBTQ 
uh, world than the heterosexual world. And we need to make sure that those individuals have role models that are as amazing as George is, that he's su such an inspiration. So I know I'm going to go to the one online, the streaming. Oh, great. I'm going to try and do that as well. There we go. So, and hopefully uh, we'll have him back on maybe around the time that the other film comes out. But Nancy, it's so great to have you back. I really appreciate you being here with us. Thank you, Shannon. I want to let everybody know that on Monday, we're having a very special guest on the show. Millie Quinones Dunlap is going to be with us, and she is an expert in pain. Um, and she's going to tell us exactly why that is and what that means. But if you're having pain and, or anybody in your family is having pain, you know, this is such a hot topic right now, Nancy, um, that we're seeing that so many people, pain is a terrible thing and it diminishes life. And often people will prescribe painkillers, which then destroy lives. Um, but how do you get through pain without being on those no, no, narcotics? There are more and more things out there. Uh, Millie's got some great information for us. Um, so she's going to, so if you're, if you're experiencing pain or anybody, you know, you're not going to want to miss Monday's show. She's also hilarious. Uh, and one of the funniest people that I know who's also got a one woman show all will be revealed to you on Monday. Um, and what the connection to that, uh, to, to pain is. So Make sure that you're here on Monday to tune in for that. And then we've got a great uh, set of shows throughout the week, but we're out of time. Nancy, thanks for being here. Thank you to all of you being here. We'll be back on Monday. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me. And give yourselves a hug from me. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye.